Welcome to Therapist in Your Pocket, the podcast that's here to wrap you in warmth and sprinkle a little bit of sunshine in your life. I'm your host, Lucy Ellis, and I'm thrilled to have you here with me. I'm passionate about creating a safe space for open and honest conversations where we explore the depths of the human mind and heart. My mission is to enliven, inspire and enrich your life by helping you discover your inner strength, your worth, your uniqueness, your special source. Remember though that Therapist in Your Pocket is not a replacement for professional therapy. The insights and the advice shared here are meant to support and inspire, not to diagnose or replace individualised care. Your well-being is so unique and so personal to you. So self-responsibility is key. What we discuss may not be 100% applicable to your unique circumstances. So let's embark on this transformative journey together with an open heart and a spirit of exploration. You're in great hands and I'm here to guide you with warmth and understanding. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Therapist in Your Pocket and it's very exciting uh, because it's that time of month again where we get to have a chat with Shauna Murray, my dream work bestie, um, and we get to chat all about dreams. Hello, Shauna. Hello, Lucy. Hello. Happy holidays. Uh, yes, yes. Happy holidays. So good to be back. I feel like I'm celebrating the new year with you by talking about dreams. I know. Yeah, it's it's going to be a fun time no doubt. And I'm excited <laughs> to to launch on in. And how's your 2024 looking so far? So far, so good. You know, I, de- I decided this year to take the first week of the year off from seeing clients. Um, and so I get to dive right back in with them starting Monday. Beautiful. Yeah. Good on you. What a what a lovely time that is to, to have that spaciousness. And do you celebrate um, because only I'm asking you this question because I know that you're very spiritual. Um, but do you celebrate the new year as a new calendar year or is there another um, time that you really, like the equinox or something that you ex- mm. um, yeah. celebrate? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, for me, uh, Samhain is the new year for me. That's kind of where... I reset um, kind of internally, um, but I think because of how, you know, everything is structured with, you know, the government and taxes and all that stuff, like I do have a new start that happens January 1. It's just a more um, business-minded type of start. So usually whenever I'm celebrating the of those types of things, so that that's kind of where it starts for me. Mm. Mm. Very interesting indeed. I just think we can choose any day, hey, and start it from there. <laughs> Every day is a new opportunity. A new, it is. I agree. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, mm. I also like the idea of celebrating your birthday as the new year for mm-hmm. me as, a, as an individual as well. So how have you been dreaming? Have you had any cool dreams recently? Um, yes, I have. I uh, had a dream about my new analyst, which is something that's kind of interesting um, because, you know, in the she's a Jungian analyst. Yep. And so in that realm of dream work, um, it's about the transference and the countertransference. So it's about the relationship between you and your analyst. And so I hadn't had a dream yet where she was in it. And so I've had one now. And so I'm excited to see her this week and like talk about that dream and what it may mean about our relationship and how that's developing. And so that's, that's one way that you use, you know, dreams, um, when you're, when you're working with someone closely for a long period of time. Mm. That's really beautiful. Uh, I had a client that I haven't seen, uh, in a one-on-one setting for a long time. She's in group programs And she reached out to me and said that she had a dream about me the other night. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's beautiful. Um, And Mm -hmm. I was was being like a cheerleader to her, telling her how much she's worth and how she should love herself. And I was like, "Mm, well, the branding's on point. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, that sounds just like you. Like if you show up in my dreams, you're always very nice and, you know, you're always like, yeah, you can do this. Yeah, it's so cool, you know? so cool. Well, I'm yeah. glad I wasn't, you know, a villain or something. <laughs> uh, so that's nice. It's always lovely to hear about that. So that's cool. Yeah. Very cool, Shauna. Mm-hmm. And we what thought. Is, what about you? Me. About you? Have you had Recently. I haven't had any for the past, like I haven't had any this year yet. Well, I have. So let's debunk that. Um, we all know that we're dreaming all the time, don't we? Uh, well, not we all know, but uh, I, I believe that we are dreaming all the time. And I also believe that we're dreaming even when we're awake. And mm-hmm. you can know this simply by if you do have a have a moment just to close your eyes and um, be in a meditative type state. Um, you might see mm-hmm. what they call hypnagogic images just start flashing mm-hmm. before you. And if you follow one of those, potentially a, a story can open up for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I say I haven't had a dream, I haven't captured my dreams this year uh, at all and probably for a week maybe even longer um, before the new year and Mm -hmm. nothing is standing out for me so Mm. I'm a bit barren or (laughs) I don't know if you're barren you're just not for some reason the the dream maker doesn't think that you need to focus on that you know that's kind of how I believe about that like sometimes I think when we when we have a dream image that we're not done with, then it can make our dreams very forgetful, right? Right, absolutely. Yep, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I was getting bombarded there for a little while with just mm-hmm. heaps of really big 
images and so um, I feel potentially it's just it, – I don't know, does your dreams do that as well um, or is that just a me thing where sometimes my dreams are just like um, so intense for such a long time and then mm-hmm. silence? Yeah, no, I think that's completely normal. Mm. I think that's normal, uh, especially when um, there's something that you're working out, mm. right? Because it's like I, I think, you know, that a lot of what we do in our dream world is working out things that need to change or have changed, or like you're, you're, you're constantly shifting and changing and and integrating and and moving things around, you know, in, energetically. And so I think a lot of times our dreams are doing that for us because, you know, I do think it's interesting. Like I was thinking about this the other day and I was like, I should bring this up on the podcast. So I'm glad <laughs> that are. you brought this up. But, but dreaming is a function that we have where a lot of scientists have just said, oh, it's, it's nothing, it's junk. And I think it's so interesting because most other things that we, that have to do with our brain like scientists are all over it. They're like, oh yes, we don't know what the function of it is yet, but we know it has one. Mm. And so I just have a hard time thinking about the fact that we have multiple dreams. Nobody knows how many dreams we have every night, but we have multiple, Mm. you know, dreams. And it's like, we spend so much of that time doing this, this function. We're dreaming. Like there's a reason we do it, Mm. you know? And, and so I always think it's interesting when people are like, oh, that's just junk stuff that your brain is doing. And I was like, I don't think our brain does junk stuff. I don't think that's how this works. No, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and and so I think there are times you're going to get a lot more and then you're going to get less. Mm. Or you're, go- you're you know? going to be uh, more connected to the dreams or more aware of the dream. Uh mm-hmm. I feel when I capture a dream and I work a dream and um, I really connect with a dream, for me it feels like this beautiful, gooey, intimate connection that I have with uh, my dreams. Um, And I don't know what that is. I don't know what my dream space is, but it feels so intimate and so sacred this Mm -hmm. space that I get to share Um, and that's why I keep coming back to them because originally when you get a dream um, and originally when we started this work and eventually we're going to start talking about that in a minute um, I would get a dream and straight away on the if it's not very impactful and it doesn't make you go oh gosh I can't believe I dreamt that but if it's just like a meh dream I just <laughs> think meh you know oh, oh yeah don't don't read too much into it but when you just bring that dream a little bit closer and you just mm-hmm. give it the time and you and you might write about it or you might share it with somebody this opening up, this little beautiful opening up of this sacred space starts to evolve within you and it's something that I can't really have the words to describe. I don't know if you can do a better job of it. Um, 
I don't think so. I I think there's an intimacy to it um, that it's it's very poignant and difficult to describe. I've I've tried to explain it to people. Um, you know, when I tell people that I do dream work, and or that I've, you know, I work with my dreams or on a personal level, you know, because I'm always working with dream images. Like I always have some image that I'm working with. I. They kind of look at you sideways a little bit if they don't know. Mm -hmm. Some people are intrigued and they want to know. Um, but whenever they ask you, like, well, how do you how do you do that? Like, what's that like? What's the experience like? I find it to be very difficult to describe. It's something that has to be experienced. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think we could sit, you know, we could sit and we could talk about the imagery all day and we could do some exercises and show people what that looks like, but until they experience it, I don't think it's, it's something that, you know, can be understood on an intellectual level. It's, it's a feeling, it's a sensation, mm. you know, it's, it's a, it's a connection. Mm. Like they're like, you're connected, um, you know, not only with this deep, deep part of yourself, but it connects you, you know, I believe to the collective around you, mm. you know, so not only are you intimately connected with yourself, you're intimately connected with the ancestors, with, with every single person who has a consciousness, every single thing on the planet that has a consciousness. Mm. And so I think, you know, we could get into a discussion about that and people are going to be like, whoa, we, we, we went left field there you know, a little <laughs> bit, but I, I do, I think it's a feeling mm. it's, um, you know, like, I don't know, like I think about how satisfying a sneeze is, mm. you know, or like luxuriating in a hot bath, you know, like some of those, I think things seem like they would do a good job of explaining it, but I don't know mm. that they can, yeah. you know, I yeah. think it has to be experienced. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And so just giving your any dream that you have if you're listening to this and and you'd like mm -hmm. to experience this beautiful connection with your dream then the I would just share that just don't if you do wake up and you've remembered a dream just giving it a moment to be with it to maybe mm -hmm. rehash it maybe write it down maybe tell somebody about it and just let it be with you take it with you for the day and you know let it come back to you ha create that opening within yourself and you might just start mm -hmm. to notice um, I think originally people want to go straight for what does that mean why did yes, I dream they that do. they want to go put it straight in their mental thought pattern and mm -hmm. well dreams aren't for the mental plane they don't make mm -hmm. sense you know in our logical brain mm -hmm. that's why they're weird that's why we say that they're weird that's how we describe a dream but mm -hmm. they can only be really felt and been with and acknowledged and experienced to and explored Really, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I think 
you know, exploration looks different. I think depending on where you go, there are all kinds of people that, that work with dreams. Um, you know, there people work with them in a clinical setting, you know, people work with them in um, spiritual settings, like there are whole communities, there are tribes that work with dreams. Um, so I think you're right, it's, it's an experience that, you know, needs to happen. Um, I, I think it can be life changing as well. Oh, yeah. 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 So life-changing. Wow. Okay. So I wonder if this can lead us into the different types of dream work uh, therapy mm-hmm. that there are because we've already started touching on that. Sure. Um, and then potentially how you or, and me work with dreams with somebody. Mm-hmm. And I feel just to, you know, start with the very beginning of time. <laughs> I hope this Do is it. not going to get, um, you know, I hope this is not going to get, you know, too far gone for people. But, um, you know, I just think that the whole um, creation was basically built off a dream. And... Um, we go back to all the indigenous cultures and dreaming was such and it is such an important part of them understanding the world um, um, and so it almost created a, uh, a collective knowing you know, and that's mm-hmm. what they had to go on because they didn't have social media <laughs> or um, <laughs> the news reporter to tell them what was happening mm-hmm. in the world. Um, and I know, um, I don't know the Indigenous, uh, the, the name of the Indigenous people in South America, but they also have uh, a strong dreaming um, worship, I suppose, is the way to describe mm-hmm. it. I kind of like that word, you know, worship. I mean, I think you have to be careful here because then people are going to think like we're in a cult, but, um, you know, but the idea of, of just allowing yourself to have a symbolic life, I think is so important. It's something that we've lost. Like, I think there's, there is a yearning and a, and a loneliness and, a disconnection that people feel um, daily, every minute, every hour, you know, because I think we've lost connection with a big part of who we are because we don't talk about dreams. Um, very rarely do we we talk about them, you know, like my my circle, you know, because they all know me. They'll be like, oh, I had this dream, you know. So I, I, I find that I have lots of conversations about dreams, but it, it didn't happen before I started really investing time and energy into, you know, making that uh, an important part and aspect of my life, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think it's hard, it's hard to know. Um, 
what the actual function of the dreams are. And so I think that's where we come, we come back to. It's like, what I do know is that working with them in a meaningful way, it brings so much depth and richness to my own life and to the people that I work with. It's hard to imagine that there's not something purposeful about it, you know? Mm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think you've hit the nail on the head where it, and that's what we've been talking about um, with regards to how we experience our dreams is that intimacy, mm-hmm. that connection. And um, I know that this has been part of who we are as, you know, as humans since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. And then we got into sciences um, and Freud and um, Carl Jung have gone on to create philosophies around dream work and that's kind of where it's Mm -hmm. all uh, taken off. Um, Mm -hmm. And so what are some of the dream work that you are aware of, Shauna? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think, you know, if you look at it clinically, because, you know, that's kind of, you know, who I am, um, there are different types of dream work. There are... um, there, there are, you know, psychoanalytic types of workings where, you know, there seems to be more, uh, like where the, the person who's like the clinician, who's like the therapist is going to tell you what your dream means. Uh So those are a little bit different. Those are like, well, this is kind of what I think it means. And this is somebody who knows your history, who knows, you've been doing therapy with for a while you know psychoanalytic therapy or psychodynamic therapy is a longer term therapy so you're going to see somebody you could see them for the rest of your life Mm. just kind of depending on how much you want to invest in that process and so you have somebody who's intimately familiar with you with your history and all of that telling you what your dreams mean Mm. so that's one way to do it Uh, I'm not a huge fan of that I do some analysis when I work with dreams but it, it tends to be about you know, the symbols themselves. So kind of like we we do together here on the, just like exploring like what those symbols mean to me and what I know about them mm. is different than me looking at somebody and saying, this is what your dream means, mm. Mm. right? It's, it's always like a, this is what it's bringing up for me. Does any of this resonate with you, mm. right? And that's kind of how, like, if you look at like in the Jungian fashion, you know, I'm not a trained analyst, you know, by, by any means. I have some experience in a Jungian dream group and, you know, I receive analysis myself. And it's about, like, the the personal mythology of your own dreams, you know. So there's a story playing out in your dreams and you'll start, if you really start paying attention to it, you're going to see. Like, I have all of these myths around. Um, I have the weirdest thing about showers in my dreams, you do. Yes, I do. And you have you have worked dreams with me. Um, I do. I have these weird showers are in weird places. They're not where they belong. They never work right. They're never clean. Like there's just something really weird about showers. And so that's part of my personal, you know, mythology is there's something to do with showers not working correctly. <laughs> now, have I figured out what that is? No. But when it shows up, there's a tonality to it that calls, that asks me to pay attention to what's happening in my life, you know? And so, you know, I, I haven't figured it out yet, mm-hmm. but, but I know when that happens, there's always, 
um, information that I, that we hear about my childhood or, you know, things like that. So we could say some of this personal, personal mythology, something about the shower, the symbol of a shower, not like a literal shower, but the idea of a shower in my consciousness has something to do with my childhood. Mm. Right. Mm. And so that's like, that's kind of how you start kind of looking at these symbols. Now I could go pick up a, you know, a dictionary off of a shelf, you know, and go, okay, well, what is a shower? Right. So it's going to give me like, this is what a shower is. And here's all of the ways it showed up, but like, that's less important than, well, to me, this is what a shower is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so, you know, when you do like that kind of work, there's this process that's called amplification that happens. Um, and that's kind of what we do. We, we did together last time. That's kind of how we're going to do more work with dreams together is it's where you take a symbol that is, you know, there's a lot of attention to um, a lot of emotional energy. So like a shower. And so then I'm going to start talking about like, what is my, what are my thoughts and feelings around a shower? You know, if I ask, you know, I could ask you, like, you know, you're going to bring that into the room as the person who's working the dream with me. Mm. Like you may offer, like, I know, like for me, a shower is a very comforting place. Is that true for you? And someone might be like, oh, my God, no, I'd rather I'd rather take a bath any day over shower. Showers are terrible and you're cold and horrible. And so I think like that's that's where, you know, the amplification happens. So then it's like you can start doing layers of it. So like what does it mean? What does it mean? What does a shower mean as to me as an American? Right. Because I'm an American. What does a shower mean to you? Because you're from Australia, you're an Australian, right? Mm -hmm. So then we can start really like looking at our culture. Okay. And so, but like in my family, this is what a shower meant, Mm. right? Like maybe, maybe you had a family that you couldn't take a very long shower. You're only allowed five minutes because water is expensive, right? So then we start really like digging into the idea of like, oh, well, this, this symbol starts to have different layers of like, so it means it's comforting to me, but I also wasn't allowed to have it when I was a child. Right. So then it's like, maybe there's a loss of comfort here. So there's a calling in this shower for comfort. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think like, that's one way. So that's an amplification, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And and so that's a lot of what you're looking at. And this is usually done within a dream group or in Um, a one-on-one. Yeah, both. So dream, dream groups are really interesting because they have different rules and it depends on how close and safe the dream group is, you know? So like, um, my dream group has been meeting together for, I gosh, since 2018, I don't know how many years that is. And so we're closer than what we used to be. And so there's more space for them to offer a little bit more. They know more about me. And so I'm going to trust that. But a lot of dream groups, especially if you're starting out, you're not allowed to offer people um, interpretations or whatever. It's like, oh, I this is bringing, if it was my dream, this is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to bring up something and that dreamer gets to decide if it hits or it doesn't, you know, which is true of all dream work, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, that's one thing that we learned as well in our dream, mm-hmm. um, dream group. Uh, I love that. And I think with the amplification, again, it's just looking at it, it's bringing this image in and it's being with the image and getting many different uh, 
perspectives on mm-hmm. what that symbology means to others or um, yourself. And there are many different ways that you can amplify this image, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, I like to sometimes draw the image, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's, I mean, just recently I had a snake energy type dream, but it was, you know, it, it almost the tail of it looked like many snakes, mm-hmm. but the body of it was more like a squid or a slug. Mm-hmm. Um, or the, and, and, and then I drew it and it looked nothing like it because <laughs> my drawing <laughs> skills are terrible. But still I felt more connected to that. Mm-hmm. I could then, because it, ha- it actually looked friendly, and I remember in the dream I kept moving away and it kept mm-hmm. following me and then mm-hmm. I realised that, oh, this, this – snake is not here to hurt me it's not here to harm me so in the dream I already kind of came to that conclusion and but then Mm -hmm. when I drew it and the way it came up for me was actually this was quite a friendly snake Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I then created an like that amplification of oh it's really revealing itself to me now Mm -hmm. yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's like that is that you bring up another way that people can that that people work with other people's dreams, mm. you know, um, through creative expression. Mm. And so that looks, um, you know, that is, you know, I think we call those experiential methods. But this is kind of like a subset of that, because it's like you're being invited to make something real. And so it's like that the alchemy the alchemical process that happens when you create something on a piece of paper from nothing and you try to pull it out of that dream world and bring it into the real world I think that you know it it doesn't matter how you know good of an artist you are you know it's like you could do that with colors you could do it with with anything you wanted to, you didn't actually have to like try to draw the, the creature, but there's something about that process that then connects you to it more. Mm-hmm. And you made, it felt more and more friendly as you did that. Right. So I think that, you know, that's another way that people um, work with dreams. You know, I invite, I invite my clients to do that a lot, like make something for it, of it, about it. Mm. Right. Um, some other expressions people do, they'll write poetry about their dreams. They'll, they'll do, um, music about dreams, um, dance movements. There's a lot of creative expression that people, um, do, you know, in, in dream groups and in, in, in one-on-one sessions, you know, I think some of the most powerful work that I think can happen in those sessions if you're able to if you're dreaming you probably can imagine things in your mind if you're you know so it's like that's one of the things you know I I check for whenever I'm doing an intake on a new client is like can you imagine things in your mind if I tell you you know there's an apple can you imagine what an apple looks like um but but we the whole process we learned was an embodied process that's right you know and I think that is a whole nother level of of processing a dream because um 
I don't know that you can get messages and feelings and shifts like you can um, doing intellectual work or doing creative work with a dream. But if you go into it and you experience it, you know, it's like um, that's where some of the real changes happen. Mm. And messages. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. And uh, one thing that for me was very illuminating doing our uh, the practitioner um, group that we were part of, uh, the Embodiment Dream Work Group, mm-hmm. was being able to embody, if it felt right and safe to do so, those scarier images in our dream mm-hmm. and really getting to understand what that felt like to be that mm-hmm. scary image and all of a sudden a whole new perspective on that image or whatever it was mm-hmm. in the dream um, and, and its message for us is usually you know, very quite different. It can be, not always, but it can be very different to what we – experience in the dream as something that's quite scary and something we Mm -hmm. want to run away from Mm -hmm. Mm. for me that so I'm more open I think to exploring those darker aspects in the dream Mm. Mm. and not wanting to run away from them yeah Mm. yeah I, I love nightmare. I love um, scary images and dreams because of the medicine that they hold. Like you said, you know, when once you embody that image, there's, you know, I, you know, I feel like, and a lot of people feel this way, that the dream is bringing you medicine. The dream is bringing you something you need to know, you need to face, you need to look at, you know, and sometimes and I don't know if I said this last time or not, but sometimes that image has to get really big and really scary so you'll pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. It's like if it was a little Tweety bird out on, you know, a, a, a branch right outside your window, you might go, oh, look at that Tweety bird. It's so sweet. And then you would ignore it for something else that happened in the dream. But if it's a 50-foot tall Tweety bird <laughs> outside of your house, you know, you're going to, that is like, ominous looking and maybe has a really scary beak and stuff and has like this really foreboding sense to it you're gonna go what the heck is this 50 foot tweety bird like doing outside of my window and it may startle you but then you may embody it and work with it you know and pretend and imagine you know that looks like you're imagining that you are this you know this tweety bird and it may shrink down to the right size then, mm-hmm. right? So I think, I think that is, that's my favorite way I think to work with dreams, mm. is is to help people embody different um, aspects of the dream, mm. especially you know, the help, you know, the part of the dream that where the safety is and where the good feelings are and and those things. Um, there's always 
there's always something there, I think. Absolutely. Yep. There's always um, help in the dream. And I think we learned that through the program that we did. And I think we spoke about mm-hmm. that in our last um, podcast episode. And I do, that's a great suggestion for people if they have a scary dream. Um, potentially, you know, it's one of those things that will shock you and, and potentially you might even wake up from. Uh, and maybe the first thing that you can do just to settle yourself is to look for what was the help in the dream and just to mm-hmm. focus on that image, um, be with that image for a moment, you know, um, can also help to soften and open up that um, exploration for that scary dream. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about the felt sense of safety. I think when we find the help in the dream that it, it, you know, um, Leslie Ellis is doing a lot of research on like the polyvagal theory and how it lines up with nightmares Mm -hmm. and things. That's pretty, pretty interesting. But one of the things that, you know, we know about like scary events or traumatic events and, you know, sometimes dreams are about trauma events. It's like, if we can, the reason why we're startled awake from a nightmare is because um, that nervous system, that part of your nervous system got activated that says, oh crap, you got to get away from this. Mm. And so the, the main way we get away from a dream is we wake up. Yeah. Because because then it's gone, you know, supposedly. I think it's still there. But, um, and so when that happens, it's like, so when we find the help, what we do is we regulate the nervous system. Mm. And then we're able to then turn and face that that image again with a regulated nervous system and go, Oh, the Tweety bird's not actually 50 foot tall. He's little and he's sitting on the branch. Mm-hmm. It's just his, his presence had to be such that it was massive mm-hmm. in the dream symbolically, you know, he needed to be noticed for something for a, yes. a real reason. Yeah. Yes. I wish I had had a dream about a Tweety bird. I just <laughs> used him like, he's not a real image. He's like, not something I've dreamed of, but um, I do think that can be, you know, really, really interesting. And there are people who do, um, you know, since we're talking about nightmares, another way that you can work with dreams is through nightmare reprocessing. And so that's not an experiential method. So it's like you're not reliving it. Um, some people aren't ready. Some people can't do that. It's too overwhelming. Um, and so there's a process. It's called nightmare reprocessing where you basically, you you know, you tell the story of the dream and what happened and then you say, well, how could I make this dream more safe for myself? Mm. What would I prefer to have happened? Mm. What would make me feel, you know, more safe in the dream and things like that? So then you rewrite the dream, mm. yeah. you know, then and there. And so, like, it's 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 different. It It's helpful. It's different. It's oh, not the same. Absolutely. And I know that that can be, uh, that can change the whole dream landscape, you know, mm-hmm. next time you have that dream it might be different you know you, mm-hmm. it's almost like you're telling your dreams actually you know can we change this movie a bit how about this happens and that happens it's a very yeah. interesting um thing obviously where both of us talk about dreams with our um community and mm-hmm. um anybody that will listen I'll let them know <laughs> that I'm a dream work therapist and I want to yes. talk about dreams uh, but my husband actually 
um, is so fascinating in the sense that he used to have scary dreams and this is what he's told all of our children to do when they have scary dreams. And he said, I just told myself, and so there must be some lucidity in his uh-huh. dream landscape, but he says if anybody's um, trying to attack me or anything in my dream, I've just turned it around. And he's done this since he was a little kid and he just goes, I'm dreaming. I can fight back. I can be the winner. I can actually do this. Nothing scares me. This is just a dream. Um, and mm-hmm. that's that's actually what he still does to today I think wow what a skill to have mastered um at such a young age and um I think it it's uh I don't know how it's helping the kids I probably should um ask them that but uh I think that that's pretty special to be able to do that Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting that you brought that up because I was thinking about nightmares when I was a kid like that's the reason why I am so interested in dreams is because I had a lot of nightmares as a kid um and I would go back to sleep and I would just summon Batman like that's that's what would happen when I was you know this is when I was much younger and so I do think you're you're right there is like a lucidity to that you know and there are lots of arguments like you can get lost everybody's going to argue about something on you know the internet but you can get lost because there are lots of schools of thought that think being lucid in dreams is good it gives you like there's so much that you can work out in your dreams and a sense of control in this. And then there are people who are like, no, you don't mess with your dreams. They're sacred, mm. you know? And so I think it's funny how just controversial, like the idea of if you have severe nightmares like that, if you have nightmares all the time, being able to, to empower yourself to face them, mm. you know, I think takes one, a lot of ego strength. Like I think you have to, have a specific um, mindset and ability and believe that you are capable of that Mm. before that could happen. And I also think it creates a space where you're not afraid of your dreams Mm. and you're not worried about going to sleep or whatever. And so then it creates space later for you to be able to embrace them more and to face them because like, okay, so if I get in this really scary dream or with this really scary dream image, then I can, I take care of it. Like, I'm just going to, beat him up right (laughs) Right? yeah (laughs) right there's a monster chasing me I'm just gonna turn around and punch him in the nose right yeah I'm stronger than that I'm making the dream up so I can actually end this dream I can end you monster and I also want to (laughs) let people know that you know if this doesn't come easy to you because it doesn't come easy to me I can't do that Uh I can't go I'm gonna have a scary dream and I'm just gonna be the you know this is Uh something that um I find fascinating with my husband, but I don't think it's a normal thing. I think we are, um, in, in when we're in the dream, we're really in the dream. And um, so don't feel like you have to, you know, that you should be able to do that as well. Yes. Oh, I've lost the ability to do it. Yeah. I, I can't do anything lucid pretty much in my dreams. Sometimes I'll, rec- I'll realize I'm dreaming. And it instantly will wake me up, Mm. you know, that's, I mean, that's the struggle with the lucid dreaming is a lot of times once you introduce consciousness to the unconscious world, Mm. then it breaks that whatever's happened, that connection that you have, because, because you're connected to the unconscious realm at that point, it breaks that connection. Some people can walk in both worlds though. 
And so I think that's, it's, it's interesting to see that like some people are able to, and some people are not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's interesting because the dream that we're going to explore today actually had, has a bit of, has tried, it's a reoccurring dream and, Mm -hmm. and this person has tried to be lucid to change it and how it's changed the dream, um, and where they are back with it now. Mm -hmm. But before we go into that, I wanted to explore common dreams, themes, Mm -hmm. because the dream that we're going to explore today is a common dream. And just really open up the question because I don't have the answer. I (laughs) wouldn't have a clue. But why we all can have common dreams, themes. Mm -hmm. For example... The dream that a reoccurring common dream that I've experienced across my whole life has been um, naked from the waist up, so just the the boobs are out. Thank goodness. I don't know why it's just the boobs. <laughs> and Maybe you'll have one now. <laughs> what, and we yeah, can explore it now that I'm talking about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. But I mean, public places. I've gone to school. I've I've gone and and been with, you know, well-to-do people, and just have felt very natural. And then, but then felt very shamed that oh my goodness, I can't believe I was there and didn't realize I didn't have a top on. Like it's almost like a re- you know, and I know that naked dreams are one of the common dreams that people have. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have common dreams, Shauna? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I have the dream where I'm still in school yep. all the time, and it's the end of the semester, and there's a test, and I have not gone to class at all. <laughs> I hate that dream so much. I am like, listen, I am done with school, you know, yeah. for you know the time being, and that dream is so stressful for me. Like, I, you know, and there's there's a lot of, of personal things I think about school and things that, you know, I think about and like why this might be playing out that happens all the time. And it's never college. Like I'm not in college. It's always high school. It's, it's never like, Oh, I'm at the last day at my university where I got my master's degree. No, it's, it's, it's high school. It's, it's some stupid science class that, or math class that I didn't attend like algebra two and I didn't go all semester. And I'm like, uh, I'm going to fail this. <laughs> You're not prepared. Definitely not prepared. Um, I'm trying to think of, of what else I know. I have, I have some of them. Um, I, the naked one is one that I have too. like, I'm usually completely naked and I'm wrapped in a quilt. Um, just oh. wandering around, like hoping that people don't realize I'm naked. So that's fun. And I'm usually at work, like wrapped in the quilt, like hoping that nobody's going to realize I'm wrapped in the quilt. Um, uh, love it. Yeah, yeah. I've had um, lost things, like I've lost my car. I can't find mm-hmm. my car or other su- other important things that are going to help me to get from A to B. Um, mm-hmm. And that feels... You know, like I just arrive in, I'm sure I got out of the car in that scene, but now I'm in another scene entirely Mm -hmm. and nothing looks familiar. 
and trying to find my way back to the car mm-hmm. is, um, yeah. Yeah, and, I was going to look here and go ahead. And um, I know that cheating dreams are also mm-hmm. one that are very that is very common. Um, mm-hmm. Like either you're in a marriage or a relationship and you cheat on your partner in the dream, or the other way around, you dream that your partner mm-hmm. has cheated on you, and you wake up all dirty mm-hmm. with them. And they roll over and go, good morning. And you're like, it's not good morning. Yeah, you're like mad at them. (laughs) I can't believe you did that. Uh, (laughs) I think that's a common trope we see on, you know, movies and things like that. That Yeah, that's one I've had about my husband when we were teenagers because I married my high school sweetheart. And so I had a dream when we were like 18 or 19 that he was having an affair with Heather Locklear. Right. So it's like, you know, she's not even really his, his type, you know, but I think it's funny because it's like, why, you know, I'm not a huge fan of hers. Like, I don't have anything. There's nothing wrong with Heather, luckily, if she ends up listening to this somehow. Uh, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with her. It was just like, I had this dream that my husband, my now husband was like cheating on me. So I think it's, it's interesting how we have these, you know, common dreams. I'm trying to think of another, like being really late and never getting to where you're supposed to be going is another one. Yes. I've had a few Uh, clients with that. Yeah. And missing an error, missing their plane or the train Mm -hmm. or yeah, Mm -hmm. knowing that they're going or or even just late to a meeting or something like that. That's Mm -hmm. very common. But I suppose the question is, like, okay, so we have all these common dreams and and but what but but why why are we because (laughs) dreams are so individual you know like I'm dreaming of bloody a snake that looks like a squid that's on you know looks like it belongs in the deep dark ocean uh, a creature that we never uh, you know found yet Um, and then I have a common dream um, that everybody is having they're so our dreams are so individual but yet we all have these kind of common theme dreams. And I just think, what is that about? (laughs) Why? Yeah. Well, I think this is where it'd be tempting to pull out a dream dictionary, right? Because we'd be like, oh, well, everybody has these dreams. So there must be a meaning Mm. for these dreams. Mm. And this is where it's like, okay, there can be some general things we can assume about stuff. Yeah. Right. But it's, the generalization piece isn't as important as what is individually happening in your dream. So it's like, it's like, you know, like the cheating with Heather Locklear dream. Like I would want to understand her, like what was my association with her at the time? Like why her, like what specifically, like, you know, there's a lot of amplification that can happen to kind of deepen what is happening in the dream. I'd have to know what was happening at the time, you know? Um, And so I think, you know, I think it'd be really easy to be like, oh, well, you're insecure about your relationship. And I'm like, well, I think anytime we're offered the opportunity to be vulnerable, there's going to be the recipe for insecurity. But it's not, it's not the general thing that's really important here. It's the why of the thing, you know? So I'm thinking, um, you know, about losing your car. 
you know, like the image of a car, like most of us don't ride around in buggies and carriages, right? Like driven by horses. So it's like we have an idea of what a car is, but it's the individual thing that's happening in those dreams that I think is important. It's not necessarily the, the general, you know, we make some general assumptions about these collective dreams. Um, but I, that I think we can get past that when we do the embodied work in the dreams. Mm, that's right. Yeah. That's how we can make it, uh, what it means for us. And yeah. of course, I'm sure anybody that's had a common dream have, you know, probably has done a bit of Google because you, you know, why, yes. do I, why do I keep dreaming that this keeps happening? Also, <laughs> I common dreams tend to be recurring dreams as well. You know, yes. we've, we've spoken about that both within ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have this recurring common dream theme. Mm-hmm. So then if it keeps happening, you're like, why am I walking around topless <laughs> going to school topless or going to work uh-huh. topless? It'd be very easy to, to Google that. And I'm sure you've done that. Uh, maybe um, the listeners have done that. And then also seen, very, you know, different meanings. Mm-hmm. Every wonder- single dream dictionary is different. Yes. And there's some weird meanings out there too. Like there's some really obscure, you know, tribal dream, dream images and things like that. Like there, there are, we can find a symbol of something. Mm. Like I'm sure if we, you know, Googled, you know, bare breasts and dreams, (laughs) right? Like I think we would come up with a whole host of different things that that could, that could mean like what is a breast and how does that work? And like, what, how do the different cultures like view those things? And like, um, and I think that's, it's interesting, but I think the dream itself is more about your relationship to that rather than that itself. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's hard because it's like, (laughs) you know, without giving away too much, like, you know, questions I may ask you is like, well, what is your comfort level around being topless in public? Mm-hmm. How does it feel in the dream? Like, like as you're, as we're walking through this dream together, I'd want to know, like, how does it feel in your body? Like what feelings are you having? What thoughts are you having? Um, you know, what kind of programming is coming up as we're talking about the fact that you're topless in this dream. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's where, that's where the nitty gritty is. And so it's like, you know, and then then you can look at it collectively and culturally. Like, what is it? What does it mean? You know, America is America. You know, like we have topless models on everything and everything everywhere. But we are very, very much a society that values modesty, like as a collective. Like there's this idea of like modesty, especially for women that, you know, for, for you know, I don't know how it is in Australia, but it's definitely here. Like we have that very protestant view of 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 nudity and things like that so then it's like it's going to be different my relationship to being nude in the middle of a classroom while i'm doing math is going to be very different depending on what culture i live in mm-hmm. right so i think that's where that's where the 
the information is. It's not like, what does it mean to be topless? And I'm like, oh, because I could sit here. We could talk about it. Like, it, what's it mean to be naked? It's vulnerable. It's, you know, uh, some people find it exhilarating. Some people are embarrassed by it, you know. Mm. Mm. Really, it's about, um, I think, a place that I quite often look at uh, with a client when they're, they tell me about the dream is the first place I look at is, yeah, what are the, what are the emotions that you felt? Mm-hmm. Um, because maybe you are naked in public and you felt exhilarating and empowered. And mm-hmm. so then the dream's going to be telling us something completely different than if you were completely shocked and embarrassed and shamed. Mm-hmm. Ve- two very different stories straight away. You Definitely. can hear almost the soundtrack of each one very, very, very differently. Um, yeah. And so that's right. Even though we do have these common dreams, I'm still perplexed as to, you know, why we have these common theme dreams um, with these similar images. Um, mm-hmm. And but to know that they might be common themes, but they are individual to you, and that's. Mm-hmm. That's um, yeah. important. Yeah, the dream dictionaries are not going to give you any enlightenment. Yeah, well, and Carl Jung, you know, he he believed that we had a collective consciousness that we were a part of. And so, like, there's a, I can't remember, I was listening to a, someone talk, an analyst talk about this, and they were like, you know, how do we know what feeling off of, you know, we have those dreams where we fall, Like, that's a pretty common theme, like falling off of something. Mm -hmm. I have never jumped off of or fallen off a cliff in real life, right? Mm -hmm. But I have in a dream, Mm -hmm. and there's a feeling I get. And so then then a person may ask, well, how do I know what that feels like? Mm -hmm. And it's like, because collectively, somebody has experienced falling off a cliff. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that's where that knowledge comes from. And so I think... You know, a lot of people lean towards like the reason why we have these common dreams is because it's a collective struggle that we're all having. And it's our individual um, expression and mythology around our relationship to that collective thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I land on it. You know, it's, yeah. it's I'm having it because it's a thing in my culture and in my society and it's yeah. been a thing. Yeah. And it's. It's how I'm experiencing that thing and living it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, For I what it's that. worth. Yeah, that that settles me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think through your dream, I've never, I mean, apart from doing the certification with Leslie, I have never been part of a dream group. And so I think through your experience as well as being part of a dream group, you would have also um, experience this collective consciousness a little tapping into that a little bit closer and a little mm-hmm. bit deeper than yeah what I've definitely, definitely done yeah yeah we I have shared dream experiences with my group members like I would have a dream about one leg and my dream group member would have a dream about an, another leg but we were we were in each other's dreams and the dreams were not the same but they had to do with an experience we were having about our legs and and so it was like it, it, things like that are just interesting like as you start talking about these things and you 
you, um, you know, touch the people around you and, and you becomes more aware, you will start to notice like, oh my gosh, we're all having dreams about this. Uh-huh. Um, so I think, you know, that's something I've got to see. I've got to witness like somebody say like, oh, I had a dream this week about that. And then be like, oh my gosh, so did I. And they're like, well, I didn't have one this week, but I had it last week. And so there's, there's, it's interesting to see kind of how the, the work that you're doing with a a group of people, it starts showing up within one another as well. Mm. And that's, that ties it back to how the Indigenous cultures used to share knowledge and messages through their dreams, because it Mm. is all part of, and that, you know, you would imagine the close-knit connections that they had. You know, they were miles away from other different tribes. So mm-hmm. um, together they would have been so much more powerful, you know, as a powerful mm-hmm. unit to to explore this, um, these yeah. images and the messages and what, what the collective consciousness is sharing or doing. Oh, mm-hmm. exciting. Mm-hmm. So are we ready to explore this dream? We have I been going so. for an hour. <laughs> so we better get into it. Let's, let's talk about this dream. Let's talk about this dream. So if mm-hmm. you would like to share a dream with you, Shauna and I absolutely, as you may have known by now after an hour of listening to us, um, love to um, – hold your dreams and give you some potential insights around your dreams. And actually, um, I think it's been very enlightening for the people that have had where we expressed those previous two dreams on the the last podcast Mm -hmm. that we were on. Um, And also I've heard from people that listen to the podcast that didn't send in a dream they were getting the tingles. So here we go about the collective consciousness again. They were getting messages mm-hmm. for themselves. Mm-hmm. So by sharing your dream, um, yeah, you get to create that intimate space with you in the dream, but we all kind of have a connection to your dream as well. So if you, if you would like to share a dream and have us explore it here on the podcast, then in the show notes I do have a form link that you can click on and just um, doesn't take too long for you to share with us um, your dream images and we would be absolutely honoured to explore that um, here on the podcast. So without any further ado, let me uh, bring up this dream. So... Uh, the dreamer is in their 40th decade, so somewhere in their 40s. And this is uh, what they've written in. I used to have reoccurring dreams where I could pull out one of my teeth. Here we go. It's a common dream. We may have experienced this ourselves. It was a very long tooth, not like a magician pulling a handkerchief, but probably three to four times the length a tooth should be. When I started reading about lucid dreaming, I tried to focus on this as a trigger 
and was successful twice. Since then, when I'm dreaming and this tooth thing happens, usually I'm eating and have to pull something out of my teeth and it starts to happen, or I'm talking and clink my teeth together and I touch it and starts to happen. But now when I do that, I am snapped awake. Almost like the falling dreams, another common theme dream, and almost like those falling dreams snap you awake. And they've written, have I further broken my brain? (laughs) So (laughs) they're saying since trying that lucid technique um, mm-hmm. that now they've been snapped awake um, and the emotions that have been experienced in this dream at first was panic um, and then when using it as a trigger I would feel excited at the possibility of the lucid dreaming but now it's gone back to being panic mm. uh, The dreamer has no real understanding about what it meant. Um, They've written here, I just thought I was, it was a weird thing to keep happening, which is quite often what we do think, isn't it, when we have those common dreams. Um, The dreamer says there's no other people other than them. Um, And they remember having this tooth dream since they were a young child um, potentially of preschool age so that's pretty significant isn't it to have a dream that has lasted pretty much your whole life Uh, the dreamer says that they don't feel like they can relate anything um, that's going on in with their life with this dream (coughs) and they say that it happens uh, a few times a year since they can remember and when they were young they told their mum about the dream and she thought it was because they'd lost a few of their teeth that year so at an age where you're starting to lose your baby teeth uh, and that was potentially when the dream started but it hasn't stopped since then. Mm-hmm. Original thoughts, Shauna? Oh, man, this is an interesting dream. So teeth dreams are so uncomfortable for people to have. Like that's usually what I hear about it the, the most uh, when someone talks about a tooth dream with me. Um, I have had teeth dreams. I don't – I can't remember if – if you had said that you've had teeth dreams before. Um, I've never experienced this teeth dream. Yeah, or this common dream theme. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting because, you know, in this one in particular, you know, my teeth dreams, it's usually like the teeth are breaking apart and I'm spitting out pieces of it. And so, like, that's how teeth dreams show up for me. So this is, it's it's similar, but it's a very different energy. In this dream, the tooth is bigger than what it should be, right? And so I think immediately I'm like, well, obviously we need to pay attention to this. It's three, four times bigger than what it's supposed to be. Makes me think of the Tweety Bird, you Mm. know, in the tree. It's like there's something about this specifically that is drawing attention to your mouth, Mm. you know. And 
there are lots of, you know, thoughts on, because it's a collective dream. It's a dream that lots of people have. Like, everybody has these dreams. Mm -hmm. But what's coming up for me is they're talking about how, um, I believe in the dream, specifically, they're talking about how they're trying to eat and they're picking food out of their teeth, right? Um, or they're talking. So there's two different two different ways that this dream looks like it's showing up, you know, energetically. One is when I'm trying to feed myself, and the other is when I'm trying to speak for myself mm. in some form or fashion. And so those are two different teeth dreams. Mm. Those are completely different dreams, you know. And so uh, um, if we start with the idea of eating – you know, this is where we, like, start looking at the amplification process. Well, what is it to eat? Mm. Right? And so, like, we think about, like, to eat is to take in nourishment. It's to, to, um, to, there's an enjoyment to it. Like, I don't know, you know, about you, but I love a good meal. Mm -hmm. There's something wonderful about imbibing delicious food. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, and there's something annoying about not being able to enjoy your food because you've got it all in your teeth now and you're having to pick it out. Mm. And so that's what I'm immediately drawn to is the idea of nourishment mm. here, uh, especially if we've had this dream since we were in preschool, mm -hmm. you know. Mm. So, so like that's coming up for me. Um, so so the just the idea of of that is originally how we began to to be loved and receive nourishment mm -hmm. is through food mm. you know and the process gets stopped and uh that's very important so if mm -hmm. the symbolism is nourishment taking something in the process gets stopped and something else becomes um, more important at that time mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. uh, a tooth that's three to four times um, bigger than mm -hmm. what it's meant to be is going to stop you from continuing to eat, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Continuing to do anything but, um, yeah, see what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think... Um, they said that they usually pull it out, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the goal is like I want to pull it out. Mm -hmm. And then the other, the other dream side of things is I'm talking. Mm -hmm. So we think about um, speaking our truth or expressing ourselves. Uh, and then the teeth clink together mm -hmm. and, again, the proce that process is stopped mm -hmm. uh, because, of course, you wouldn't be talking anymore if you've got fingers in your mouth trying to pull out this teeth. Mm -hmm. mm. And there's something alarming about it. Yeah, well, it, um, the dreamer person. says she's she's panicked, or they're panicked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they snap awake as if they're falling, mm. right? And so there's a startle response that's happening. You know, I think it's interesting. Like, 
I think the intuition to become lucid here is is a good intuition, right? It's a good it's a good poke at yourself to say like if maybe if I can be awake if I can be be conscious that this is a dream, I can figure out what is happening. Mm. And so I think there's there's a there's a willingness there that that is happening with like the dream ego of like I want to figure this out. Mm-hmm. I want to understand this rather than not necessarily maybe, maybe even stop it. I don't know. Like we don't, we don't have enough information, but I would be curious about what is my motivation for becoming lucid? Mm. Do I want to interfere with it? Do I want to try to help myself? Do I want to try to understand it better? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause my, my thought on that is like, well, then we need to figure out what the tooth wants. Mm. Because I think that's where I go. Because it's like this tooth, this this really long tooth, it, it wants something. It wants something so much so that it's stopping you from being able to nourish yourself or speak out. Mm-hmm. You know, and so then it's like, well, what processes are looking like that in your life? I'd be curious to know the next time I had this dream. What is it that's happening in my life that feels like it's in the way of me being able to receive nourishment or me be able to use my voice? And I would also like to link that up with the emotion of panic. So Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be hard to understand what, what is impacting my life that's stopping that's stopping me to, from feeling nourishment or speaking out if I connect it with this feeling of panic because what yes. you know, this anxiety that comes up for me mm. follow the emotion the emotion holds mm-hmm. the wisdom as well mm-hmm. yeah yeah so I think I'm just really struck by this idea because I do I think about a preschool child you know we're looking at somebody that's three four mm-hmm. moving into five you know mm-hmm. they're a toddler they're not really good with their feelings yet they're not like if you think about where they are emotionally matured mat- emotional maturity wise mm-hmm. and just intellectual maturity wise like it's it, it it's very startling to not understand the world mm-hmm. and for something to not work like it's like it's supposed to mm-hmm. yeah and and so yeah, so I'd be curious, like, is there something that this connects to in childhood? Because I, w- I would say the wounding is in childhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where the root of it is, right? Like, if we're going <laughs> to thinking about pulling a tooth out by the root, you know? Yeah. It's like, that's that's where it is. So if it started in preschool... You know, and and there's there's some thought around like re- the earliest dreams that we remember tell us the mythology mm. that we're living our lives by. Mm. You know, and so if we look at these dreams, and this is a dream that's been around for a long time, mm. it tells me something about the relationship that since preschool age and maybe before then that we have with you know nourishment, and that can be all kinds of nourishment. It doesn't have to be food. Mm-hmm. It could be food. Mm-hmm. But I think it could be like being able to receive care and love, mm. you know, mm. you know, when we look at, when we look at nourishment, like that's the earliest way, you know, I'm going to come back and say that again. That's the ear- earliest way we were shown that we were loved is our parents 
fed us. Our mother gave us milk mm-hmm. from her own breast, right? Mm-hmm. Or if she was able to. And so there's that, that's where the attachment and the connection and the love starts. Mm-hmm. And then as we move older and older into preschool, then we also start getting our voice. Mm. Mm. So there's, there's a connection here between nourishment and receiving and, and, you know, uh, there's a connection between nourishment and receiving nourishment and being able to use our voice. Mm. And I can't help but think about, the idea of loss as well because mm-hmm. we're, we're pulling, we're losing a t- tooth here. So there's a loss of something of structure within us. Mm-hmm. That's so, and it's something big that we're losing. Mm-hmm. So there's this interruption potentially of nourishment mm-hmm. And being nurtured and also being able to express ourselves. But there's a big loss mm-hmm. of something that we thought and I talk about I'm talking about it in first person, like maybe like a collective consciousness streaming through me right now, but uh, we thought was part of us. Mm-hmm but it comes out and it is mm. much bigger than we thought it was as well. Mm. Yeah, mm. I like that. And the idea of, and maybe it needs to come out so that I can receive nourishment. It needs to come out so I can use my voice again. Mm. Like it needs to, not, not that it, you know, and, and there's grief and loss in that. Right. Any any time we do something that we need to do, that's for um, our higher our highest good. Mm. There's a grief process that, ha- process that happens because I have to lose something. Mm. I'm gonna. What, what do you mean? I like this really long tooth. It's fine. It's cool. I'll just blend my food up in the blender and drink it. Mm. We're good. I'll just text people. I don't. I don't need <laughs> to be able to talk. You know. Yeah. I think there's there's some of that you know, yeah. in there too. This, 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 the startling awake thing, I think for me is there's, there's a, there's a willingness, but there's an unwillingness to mm. face and recognize the feeling of panic and, and the different, what this tooth actually means. Yeah. If because, this person was, sorry. yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Because that's what inter- intrigued me so much is that this person uh, actually decided, wanted to become lucid at th- mm-hmm. and use that as the trigger to come loose. So the thing, the very thing that's making me feel panicked, that's where I want to enter the dream. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, this yeah. person is so brave. You know, I just yeah. think of if I'm going to become lucid, I'm going to want to come in on a beautiful cloud where the <laughs> sun is shining and it's a beautiful dream. Yeah. Um, but to come in at that point where there's this realisation, this awakening kind of um, thing going on and I'm mm-hmm. full of panic. And I can understand it's a bit like um, what I explained to you about my husband saying, 
turning turning the nightmare around into being I I'm the hero in this dream, mm-hmm. uh, and I just think it's very brave to and en- to want to enter in at that point. Um, and I think from an unconscious level, the dreamer knows that this is very significant and there's something that I need to take from this um, and I agree. I certainly agree. Yeah. Well, and I think we found the help, right? The help is the excitement and the willingness to dive into the uncomfortable situation. You know, I think it's like, um, it makes me think of jumping off the high dive. Like, it seems like a really cool idea. I'm going to jump off the highest diving board into oh, the yeah, water. Gotcha. But, yeah. but man, that fall, that, that jump, after you make that jump and, and there's a part of you that's like, is there water underneath me <laughs> or is it going to be cement? Yeah. You know, I think it, it, it makes me feel like, Oh, Oh no. Like I didn't realize this is what was going to happen when I got in here. Mm-hmm. Like it has that, <laughs> it has that mischievousness yes. that I think dreams have like, right. It's, it's just a long tooth. I mean, what's it gonna, mm. what's it gonna do? And I'm like, well, you know, mm. yeah. Yeah. In fairy tales, you know, we know like the, like there would be some myth about a tooth and I bet there are, I bet there are myths about long teeth or whatever, like a magical long tooth, you know, mm. uh, and so I think about that. So like, there's the help. So like, that's the feeling that that dreamer needs to to cling to and hold on to, and and to fully embody it before they face this dream image, right? This idea of of that. Yeah, because if they were, if they were in the chair with me, right, and we were doing this together, and so there's more there's more strength than that. I think people are less afraid to face things that startle them when there's somebody else with you. I would, I would invite them to embody and be this tooth. Mm-hmm. Just, just go to the source and just see like, okay, like you start out as normal, but then you get really long. Like what's going on? Like what message do you have for me? Mm. What, like what wisdom do you want to impart? Mm. Right? Like what is it that I need to know so badly that you interrupt my ability to either nourish myself or use my voice? Yeah, that's what's so cool about the embodiment process is mm-hmm. being able to pull, uh, get, draw the wisdom, pull the wisdom. Uh, when you were talking, <laughs> um, you were like, uh, we, we do have these sayings that we say that uh, when you were talking, I just had these thoughts bu- bubbling around that I've just got to spew out of my mouth right now. And um, there was the thoughts of, we say they're long in the tooth, meaning they are mm-hmm. old. Mm-hmm. They're, but also there is this idea of wisdom around being, you know, having age under your belt. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about connecting with the tooth and there's, you know, the idea of wisdom teeth even, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. Um, and so I reckon this tooth holds so much wisdom uh, for this yes. dreamer and something that 
potentially is coming from her ancestors. Who knows? Or their ancestors because this person was tiny, preschool age, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when they were having this dream. So yeah, that just felt relevant to say. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely, I, it's so, it's so hard to, to do. It's not hard. It It's, it's hard to get a targeted answer, I think, to help the dreamer because there's so much assumption that we have to make because they're not here. You know, I'm having some wondering questions pop up and I know that that was helpful for the last people. And so, you know, I'd want to know what my relationship is with my anxiety what is my relationship with panic? Mm. When does it show up? You know, mm. what is my relationship to being nourished? Yeah. In always emotional, physical, spiritual, all of those things. Um, and what is my relationship to my voice? Mm. You know, those those are questions that I think even just sitting with can deepen into the dream, even if even if we're not able to 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 be the tooth, right? Mm. Because we're not ready. But at some point, I think that is where you have to go right into the the image and unsee it from that perspective. Yeah, yeah. In order to really get the answer. Thank you so much for those inquiring questions. I feel like that wraps up our dream conversation or this this dream and I really hope that the dreamer that is has you know sent this in um gets some enlightenment from our discussion today and we are open to having longer longer (laughs) I feel like every word I say has got some um some connection back to the dream um longer Uh discussions uh with you about this dream so thank Mm -hmm. you so much for trusting us with uh this dream yeah and feel free to you know reach out Mm -hmm. because because i'd love to talk about this if um if they need some one-on-one you know absolutely absolutely because i love it And if you would like to reach out to Shauna uh, and have some one-on-ones with her or just explore um, ways that you can work with her, uh, as always, we'll put all of her details in the show notes and the Mm -hmm. same for me as well. We have to wrap it up here because I've got to bounce. And, Mm -hmm. um, oh, my goodness, I think you can hear that we could talk about this all day. Definitely. But until next time, we have to go and do all our other things. Yes. Thank you for your time again today, Shauna. Definitely. Thank you for having me back. And I'll see you guys next month. Next month. She's here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody.